Well, I'm excited about today, and, uh, and I hope that you are as well. Uh, we're going to be wrapping up our sermon series on The Struggle is Real, and today we're going to be talking about communication. Uh, but before we do that, you know, one of the overlying uh, things that we've been saying over the past uh, three weeks is that men and women are different. You agree with that? You know, men and women are different. And so I, I got some statements here that kind of just prove that to be true. So I wanted to read them to you before we get started, okay? Are you with me? This is just some of the ways that men and women are different, okay? Number one, a woman marries a man expecting him to change, and he doesn't. And a man marries a woman expecting her not to change, and she does. It's different. A successful man is one who can make more money than his wife can spend, and a successful woman is one who can find such a man. Any married man should forget his mistakes. There's no reason for the two of you to be remembering the same thing. Women worry about the things that men forget, and men worry about the things women remember. The secret to a happy marriage remains a secret, it says. And, and, and here's some things that I'm just trying to help the men because, you know, all the women, we know you have it together. We already know that. That's why we come to you for the answer. All right? But, but here's some real definition of words used by women. And men, I want you to get this. This will help you in the days to come, okay? The first word that women use that you need to know the meaning behind is the word fine. Fine which means I'm all right, but this argument is over and you need to shut your mouth. That's, that's what fine means, okay? Number two is, that's okay. That's okay. Now, this is one of the most dangerous statements women can make to a man. That's okay actually means she wants you to think long and hard before deciding when and how you're going to pay for your mistake. Number three. Nothing, nothing. Well, what's wrong? Nothing. Did I do something? Nothing, nothing. I mean, what, what is, nothing is basically the calm before the storm. And this nothing doesn't mean nothing. Nothing means something. And you better be on your toes. An argument that starts with nothing usually ends with the word fine. So if you need to know the definition to find, you need to refer back to number one. Oh, here's a great one. Five minutes. Just give me five minutes. I just need five minutes. And if, and if that is in the period of when she's getting dressed, that five minutes actually means a half hour. So, I mean, don't get upset when she says five minutes. Automatically think 30 minutes to an hour, all right? You with me on that one? Number five. Thank you. When a, what this really means is a woman is thanking you. Don't question this. Just say you're welcome and let it go. Because most men won't know what you're getting thanked for. Number six, loud sigh. Now, this is not actually a word, but it's a nonverbal statement often misunderstood by men. It means she thinks that you are crazy and wonder why she's standing wasting her time arguing with you about nothing. Oh, here's a great one, number seven. Go ahead, just go ahead. Go on, go ahead. That doesn't mean go ahead. This is a dare, not permission. When she says go ahead, it, don't go ahead. And the last one's this, don't worry about it, I've got it. This is the second most dangerous statement a woman can say to a man. It actually means that a woman has asked a man several times to do something and now she's doing it herself. This will result in you asking a little bit later, what's wrong? For the woman's response, refer back to number three, which says nothing, which actually means something. So... That's why it's important for us to talk about communication in marriage, and that's what we're going to talk about here in the, in, in the next few minutes. So if you've got your Bible, I want you to turn to Proverbs chapter number tw uh, 18. Proverbs 18. We're going to start reading at verse 
number 20, Proverbs 18, verse 20. It says, A man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. From the produce of his lips he shall be filled. Verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat of its fruit. Now, the first part of verse 22 says this, He who has find, finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. So I want you to see those verses here, those three verses in context. It's talking about the power of words, and it says death and life are in the power of the tongue. It says what you speak out of your mouth will become the fruit, whether it's sweet or bitter, that you will ultimately eat after everything is said and done. And then immediately after that, it begins to speak about your wife. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and has obtained favor by the Lord. I wonder how many marriages have been completely destroyed simply because we've never learned the skills it takes to be successful communicators to one another. You know, listen, we, we think we're always right. But is it possible that we can see things differently and both be right? The answer is yes. But we make error when we assume that there's only one way to see something and most of the time, because we don't want to take our time to put ourselves in somebody else's shoes, then we end up misunderstanding what the person meant in the first place. So the best way to understand what somebody's saying, and more importantly, what they're meaning, is stop trying to put people in their place and start putting yourself into their shoes. And what happens when we don't do this, we begin to speak words that we don't necessarily mean, whether they're you know, harsh or, or sarcastic or critical or, 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 or mean-spirited, whatever it may be. But the Bible is perfectly clear that you will reap what you sow when words come out of your mouth. Now, it's important for us to understand the power of words, and we need to guard our words and make sure that we're speaking uh, the things that's going to bring life into our relationships. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you again just to gather together in, in, in your house. God, your presence is here. You've been ministering to people, and, and Lord, we're, we're so thankful for that. Lord, we declare that, that apart from you, we can do nothing. And Lord, I, I stand here today knowing that, that I can do nothing without your help, so Lord, I ask for your help. I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us today in the area of communication, more specifically the way that we talk to those we love the most, and help us, God, to make changes and to eliminate things and to let things go, and to, to be able to speak wholesome words out of our mouth that build up and not tear down. And so, Lord, help us to be better communicators with one another. Help us to just forget all the misunderstandings and things that we carry with us from mistakes that have been made in the past. And, Lord, just, just speak life to us today. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, during this series over the past few weeks, uh, we started out talking about the most important issue in marriage. And we said that the most important issue in marriage is a person's relationship with Jesus Christ. And the reason we say that that is the most important issue in marriage is that the truth is only Jesus can meet our deepest needs. And any time we seek to have our needs met uh, on the deepest level of who we are in someone else, we transfer expectations that are unrealistic in the person that we love, and we look to them to be a God for us and instead of the Lord being God for us. Now, you know, the, the truth is none of us would, would worship uh, another person or even worship, you know, our, our husband or, or our wife. But listen, in a sense, we actually do those things when we cast expectations on them that only Jesus himself can fulfill. So we talked about the, the greatest issue or the most important issue in marriage, and that is our relationship with Jesus. And the next week, part two, we talked about how to meet your wife's needs. Now, you know, that's obviously important. We talked about that this is a need and that relationships have certain needs and the needs of men and women are different, and I won't go back into that. And then last week, we talked about uh, how to understand and meet your husband's needs. And so all these things are very, very good and very, very important. And if you apply those things to your life, I promise you, your relationships will change in a positive way. Now, if we don't apply this, then we've basically wasted our time, you know, even being here in, in terms of, of, of hearing what God has to say to us. And, and if, I, if, I would, if I would kind of maybe 
uh, identify an area where we're, we're probably the, the most weak in. It is in the area of application. You know, it's one thing to hear a good message. It's another thing to live it. You know, it's one thing to understand what we're talking about theologically. It's another thing for you to be able to live it out in your life. And transformation comes. And really, that's what we're here for. We want to be changed. We want things changed. We want to become more like Jesus. We want our relationships to be better. You know, we want to live a, a life that God intended for us to live. And, and so there's some practical things that we've learned over the last few weeks that can help better position you to fulfill that purpose and to meet those needs that only you can meet for your husband or your wife. And so today, we're going to talk about the, the need for communication. Now, this is crit uh, critically important. When people in a relationship quit communicating, and I want you to know there's a difference between talking and communicating, okay? There's a difference between you opening up your mouth and saying some things and then actually connecting with somebody else. There's a difference. You ever heard the, the, the statement, listen, the lights are on, but nobody's home? I mean, there's a lot of people that that's the kind of communication you have with your husband and your wife or with people that you love. They're there present, but there's nowhere, they're nowhere near on the planet, you know. Like, like I see a lot of you guys at church, you know, I'm thinking, they're here, but listen, they're not even on the planet right now. Some of them are going like, yeah. Some of them going. And so they're here, but, but they're, 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 you know, they're really someplace else. And, and to be a good communicator, you have to be able to be engaged with the other person because communication is not the same as simply just talking. Now, the majority of married couples go through the same types of problems that everybody else goes through. Most people have the same kinds of problems. But the difference between those that make it and those that don't make it are those that know how to fight. It's important for you that you know how to fight with your spouse. And surely to goodness, when we're talking about fighting, when you married the love of your life, surely to goodness you didn't think that just because you got married you were not going to have conflict. Now, I know that, you know, do you think God believed that you were never going to have conflict in your marriage? If you did, there's two words to describe that. Stupid. Listen, listen, marriages are made in heaven, but so, so is thunder and lightning, okay? And, and so we, we have to understand something. Everybody goes, uh, goes through basically the same kinds of problems. There's occasions when there's unique problems that happen, but most people go through the same kinds of problems, and the difference between those that make it and those that don't are those who learn how to fight. There's some boundaries in, in, in arguments that we have with our husband and wife that we cannot cross. There has to be parameters. There have to be boundaries. There has to be things put in place that we know that if you cross that line, you have went too far, and when you go too far in your argumentative uh, conversations, ultimately there's going to be some severe consequences. And you can't, you know, if you don't develop these kinds of skills, ultimately at the end of the day, you're going to continue to either push the envelope, cross the line over and over and over and over again. And at the end of the day, what's going to happen is you're going to become bitter, you're going to become angry, you're going to get hurt, you're going to be resentful, your life's going to be full of just, just nothing but negativity because we've not set proper boundaries or parameters around the relationships that we should have. Now, just like we said throughout this entire series of messages, that the problems that people have uh, are that men and women's needs are different. Men and women are different in general. And, and so um, when you look at these things and when you uh, examine the differences between men and women and when you get married, listen, all that does is magnify the issue. You know, when, when you get married, the things that you overlooked and tolerated when you were dating doesn't fly anymore after you get married. You'll put up a whole lot with a whole lot more when you're dating someone than you will when you get married. Amen? You'll put up with a whole lot more. But listen, the thing is, our differences cause conflict. But here's a good word for you. Conflict is the gateway to discovery. Now, let me explain what that means. For me as a man, you know, conflict, I had to learn how to communicate through times of conflict. You guys know Rachel. You know how special and precious and beautiful and kind and thoughtful she is. Well, believe it or not, me and Rachel have had an argument or two. We have. 
And there's a time, I'll never forget, we've been married maybe two years, and, you know, I didn't understand how to, you know, communicate to her. I didn't know how to meet her. I knew nothing. I had zero relational skills. I mean, I started, listen, I told her from the beginning, I said, look, I'm going to struggle in this thing here. And, you know, she was just in love, and she said, okay, it's going to be all right. But, yeah, <laughs> but then, you know, after, after a while, you know, she's thinking, what's wrong with you? I, I remember one time, you know, we, we'd been arguing. I was trying to, you know, I was, try, I was honestly trying, you know. But I remember, you know, we'd been arguing, and it broke me down. And finally, I got down on my knees, and I said, could you please just tell me what it is you want me to do? I mean, I said, I said, I said if you just write it down on the paper, I can do it. And she was like, you should already know what to do. I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't, I'm, a, I'm dumb. I'm a man. I, I, I need to be told what to do. That's why God gave me four women to live with. So I'm sitting there going, you know, but, but the truth is I was trying to humble myself the best that I could because I was really searching for a way to meet her needs and try to find out exactly what it was that I was supposed to do because I was completely clueless. And, you know, finally, after she believed me, after I said it over and over again about a thousand times, she basically told me. So I wrote these things down. I'm thinking, I'm a smart man. I'm going to do these things. I need to know what to say and when to say it and understand what she's thinking before she even says what she's thinking. And then I have to understand all it. I did not have the skill set. Anybody understand what I'm saying? But conflict, because, I mean, listen, I told her, I said, if you divorce me, I'm going with you. You know, divorce is a non-negotiable for us. You know, we're going to work through it, and you cannot work through it if you do not know how to communicate. So this is a very, very important lesson for us all to learn. But like we said through this entire series, men and women are different. And the same is true in the area of communication. And when we communicate differently, it will ultimately lead to conflict, and you have to learn how to Work through this. Now, here's one of the things that, that uh, will help us understand the way men and women communicate. Now, the average man speaks about 7,000 words a day. And the average woman speaks about 20,000 words a day. That makes me mad right now. You know, but, but again, women tend to be a little more verbal. You know, they, a little bit. You know, they, they tend to be a little more vocal. They, they tend to like to talk. A, a little bit more. And men tend to not to talk. We See, we talked about that before when we were talking about non-sexual affection. You know, it's about notes and cards and, and conversations and, and being thoughtful and, you know, uh, being, having open and honest uh, communication. And listen, men, most men have no clue how to do that. And when you don't know how to sit down and have a conversation about the details of your day with your wife, listen, it's going to end up being difficult for you. You know why? Because your wife wants to know what's going on. It's how she gets to know what's going on in your world, and it gets to know what's going on in your heart. She doesn't want just the, the, the highlights of what's going on. She doesn't just want, like, you know, the, the, the three statements, like, I went to work, I worked, I went to eat, I came home, blah, blah, blah. No, they want to know the details. It's important. And so we have to learn those kinds of skills. So... You know, but the average woman speaks about 7,000 words a day. Average man speaks about 20,000 words a day. Now, knowing that, for me, for me, that's what makes Revelation chapter 8, verse 1 so amazing. Do you know what it says in verse number 1, Revelation 8? It says, and there was a period of silence in heaven for about 30 minutes. I mean, I can't help but think, makes you wonder if there's going to be any women there. I'm praying for you, girls. <laughs> Do you think there's ever been a woman not speak for 30 minutes? No. Maybe. When she sleep, right? I'm just joking. You don't get mad at me. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just joking. It's going to be fun. But anyways, we have to understand the differences. Now, let me give you four things or four keys to effective communication, all right? If you want to communicate effectively, here's four things you need to do. Number one is the word caring. If you're going to be an effective communicator to your husband or your wife, they have to know that you genuinely care for them. Now, most people think that that's just a given. Most people just assume that, you know what, uh, the other person knows that I love them. But, you know, if your love is not communicated, love not expressed dies. 
You know, love that doesn't have action behind it is not really true love. The Bible says that, that we are to love in word and in deed. There ought to be some corresponding reactions or actions to uh, what we say and declare to be as our love for somebody. And so research has shown that, listen to this, only 7% of what you say is communicated through words. Only 7%. So listen, communication is not the same as talking, okay? Only 7% of communication is what you do when you speak to somebody else. Uh, 43% of the meaning comes from how you say it. So it's not just what you say, it's how you say it. And what I mean by that is, is vocal tone, pitch, volume, delivery, so on and so forth. The remaining 50% of communication is nonverbal. And what I mean by that is, it's talking about body languages, hand gestures, and, you know, obviously facial expression. All those things are important. Now, what is that, what's that telling us? That when, when we're talking to somebody, if we're really trying to communicate, your eyes are as important as your ears. Now, let me give you four things or five, five areas that communicate that you love somebody, okay? You know, number one is eye contact. When you communicate to somebody, it is important that you look at them. Like I said, if you ever said, you know what? You know, they're, 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 they're not, their lights are on, but, but nobody's home. It's important for you to make eye contact. Number two, body language. I was talking to Rachel last night. You know, everybody's got those things that you know get on the other person's nerve. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? And so I remember I said, Rachel, I said, what? I mean, because I'm getting better, okay? I'm getting a lot better. I said, what was it that you used to say to me? And she said, ooh, I hate it when you do that. And I said, so she would say something to me like, what, what was it you said you said, Rachel? I did. You're, oh, yeah, she, was, she, she said, I could be cleaning the house and working at the house all day long and talk about how, how tired I am for this and that. And she said, you look at me and go, yeah, right. And I knew that would get her, you know. No matter what's going on, just look at her and go, bet you are tired, right? But it's, uh, anyways, uh, but again, <laughs> eye contact, body language. Here's another one, countenance. In other words, the look on your face. This has to do with attitude. What kind of attitude do you have when you are talking to somebody that you love? So listen, again, we're talking about communication, not just talking. So it involves eye contact, body language, countenance, the uh, voice level and, and tone. You know, I'll give you some examples when we first got started, you know. When a woman says fine, it doesn't mean fine. When she goes around and says fine, that doesn't mean fine. When she goes nothing, it doesn't mean nothing. It means something. Why? Because you can tell by the way that she said it that that's not the truth, right? She's communicating something. She wants you to know that, look, it's wrong. You're, you've done something wrong, and you've got to be careful with what you say next. Because if you don't communicate... You can just make things worse. It's just true. And number five, being sensitive to their needs, hurts, and desires. Now, if we're going to communicate effectively, we're going to have to show the other person that we genuinely and sincerely care. And here's how you do it. When you are showing genuineness and sincerity uh, and sensitivity to, to somebody that you're communicating to, what you say and what you're doing, whether it's eye contact, whether it is the countenance on your face, whether it's body language, or whatever that may be, what you're wanting to communicate is, I value what you think, and I want to be sensitive to how you feel. You know, again, we told you men become, you know, they, they come, you know, emotionally unassembled, and women have to wire them back up. Men don't typically know how to feel about things. You know, they typically don't know how to, you know, engage in eye contact about some, something that they just, could, could care less about. And I'm not saying that in a bad way. I'm just saying men just don't think in those terms. But you have to make an effort. You want, if you're going to communicate to somebody, they have to know without a doubt that you are really listening to them, that you want to know what's going on, that, that you're engaged, that you are thoughtfully remembering the things that, that they're saying, and that you even ask questions back, and that you've got to do the things the right way if you don't then you've not communicated. You've basically wasted your time. Does this make sense? So number one, it's, 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 it's a very simple thing, but, but it, it, you have to, to truly communicate to them that you care. If they don't believe you care, they will tune you out. They will block you out. 
they'll get upset, frustrated, and it goes both ways. It goes both ways. It's not just women that feel that way. Men feel the, the, the same way. And we look at some things that you're going, who cares about that, you know? I mean, what, what does that got to do with it? That's very insensitive. But we have to understand that's why these other messages were, were, were preached before that. So you'll know what to take and how to communicate and, and why they are the way that they are so that you can meet that particular need. Now, here's the second thing. If you're going to be an effective communicator with your husband or wife, you have to learn to listen. Boy, let me tell you something. I could preach to the second coming about listening. I had to learn again. I'm talking about me. I've had to learn the hard way what it really means to listen. You know, I do love this statement, though. Somebody once said that not even a fish would get caught if he kept his mouth shut. First step in good communicating is shut up. It's biblical. The Bible says there's a time to talk and a time to refrain from talking, okay? So to communicate, you have to show genuine care and concern, but you also have to stop long enough to listen. Now, listening is all about standing back from self and totally and fully focusing on the other person, being engaged, actively listening, not just saying, let's get this over with, because listen, if you do try to do some of this stuff and hope for, you know, that, that you are putting some of this stuff into practice, you're going to feel extremely awkward when you do it. You know, you're going to have, you know, I remember, again, I like to laugh and, you know, I, I like to, you know, you know, you know uh, aggravate and all this stuff. I remember when I'm learning this stuff, you know, Rachel's talking to me about something that I just, I'm like, that's just a waste of time, but I'm going to be actively listening. So I look at her and I go, I still, I still do that today, you know, not that you need to do that. I'm giving you not-to-do list as well, okay? So you're sitting here going, okay. Don't, 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 don't overdo it, okay? You don't want to overdo it. But you do, I mean, you want to be able to say, you know what, I am genuinely concerned, and I really want to know how you feel, how your day's going, what's going on in your life, and and again, it, it's biblical. Now, the word listen is used in the Bible 352 times. And the word hear is found 379 times. But there's a difference between hearing and listening, okay? Let, let me explain that. Hearing only involves the function of the ear, okay? But listening involves the function of the heart. It's one thing to hear what somebody else says. It's another thing to understand what they mean. That is what's important when it comes to communication. It's not necessarily what the person said, but what they meant. Because when you start to open up your heart to somebody, you don't necessarily um, you know, just spill the beans about everything in terms of how you feel and what you think. You know, what, what you do is you just kind of test the waters. You open up and you say something that you wouldn't normally say or, or think or the other person does the same thing, and you're like, oh, my gosh, we're going here now? Oh, Lord. Some of you, some of you, you're absolutely terrified to have the conversation you know you need to make. Some of you are absolutely scared to death to find out what's going on and the person that you said you love till death do you part. You're scared to death to, to, to hear any kind of feedback from them because you are afraid that you have been a failure over these years or you become so stubborn and prideful that you know what? You don't even feel like you have a problem. The problem's with the other person. I paused for an amen, but it didn't come. It's all right. It's all right. I mean, honestly, don't raise your hand, but how many of you really have, you know, during this series, have tried to sit down and talk to your husband or your wife about the things I've been telling you? I mean, if we were to find out, I'm sure that it would be a very minimal, minimal percentage of people. Why? Because we're afraid. Or we're full of ourselves. And sometimes you can hide fear or, or truthfulness behind this, uh, this prideful humility, which sounds, you know, like an oxymoron, which it really is. You know, uh, but, but you have to at least go to have that conversation and you need to listen. It's important for you that you understand that the person talking to you wants you to know how they feel about themselves, 
about their children, about what's going on, about how your relationship is going. If you don't, you can't improve what you don't evaluate. So that, that's an important part of, of communication. You know, Jesus said in Luke 8, 18, he says, Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. So let me ask you this. On a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate yourself in terms of listening? Now, again, we're talking about listening, not hearing. If you really want to know the truth, ask your husband or your wife. I guarantee that your evaluation of yourself is inflated. You probably think you are better than what you really are. You may be a good hearer, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you are a good listener. There's a difference between the two. Now, why is it important that we learn to listen? Because you never feel more loved than when you're listened to. You're never, you never feel more loved than, than when you're listened to. Now, why is that statement true? Because every person in this place this morning has a universal need to feel understood. A lot of frustration in relationships are simply the result of feeling like the other person doesn't understand you. And what's worse than not understanding them is that you won't even take the time to make an effort to try to understand how they feel. Amen? That's what, and listen, this is what happens. Your marriage, you know what? You're just married to the habit that you've had for the last 20 years. I mean, that becomes your relationship. Your relationship gets in a rut. Next thing that happens is it just becomes a habit. You're just two people living in the same house, sleeping in the same bed that go on and do their own separate things, and you don't even know what's going on in each other's lives, and at some point, don't even care. That's horrible. Do you think that's God's plan for your relationship? Absolutely not. But listen, when it comes, to, and here, here, this is just true. The reason it's important for somebody to feel like you understand them is because that's where you, that you communicate and connect on a deeper level. Your conversation has to go from just shallow, superficial things into a more deeper, um, more uh, personal conversation where you are really wanting to know and talking about things that you wouldn't normally even talk about. When it comes to listening, when it comes to relation, everybody wants to feel understood. You never feel more loved than when you're understood, when you're listened to. You know, the truth is a lot of arguments, you know, that we get into, you know, it, it, you don't even care necessarily that, that if you win or lose, you just want them to understand how you feel. You may be 100% wrong in this and willing to admit it, but nothing's more frustrating than admitting that you are wrong and then the other person looking back acting like they don't even care. Amen? This is good stuff this morning. But listening is extremely important. And if we don't take time to listen, we will never be able to communicate effectively. Relationships fail when we refuse to see things from another person's perspective. Relationships fail when we refuse to put our feet in somebody else's shoes. We're too busy lining them out. You know what I'm saying? We're too busy letting them have it. We're too busy telling them like it is and how we think and how we feel and all this stuff. You know, we're too busy putting them in their place to put ourselves in their shoes. And if you don't do that, your relationship will go. And then let me know how that works out for you. But take the time. Listening gives you an opportunity to put yourself in somebody else's shoes because people that don't listen are full of themselves. People that don't listen are some of the most judgmental people I have ever met in my life. Why? Because they think their opinion and the way they see things is the only way that it needs to be seen. They don't have an open mind. It's closed mind. They don't have an open heart. Their heart is closed. They think it's about me, myself, and I. But listening changes that. Okay? Give yourself this test here. Most people, when they listen, do not listen to understand. They listen to answer back. You understand what I'm saying? 
They don't listen to try to understand what the other person thinks or feels or what they're going through. Listen, a matter of fact, you get in a conversation with somebody that's not listening, they've already made up their mind what they're going to say about what you talked about before you get a chance to even stop finishing the sentence that you've been speaking. Like, you have a conversation, and in the end of that conversation, the other person has a thought, and then you get interrupted. You interrupt that person to tell them your thought because you think this is communicating when really you're not listening to nothing that they're saying. What you're really doing is saying, my opinion matters and yours doesn't. I'm smarter than you. You ain't married none of them folk, are you? So listen, understand. Listen, listen to understand. Listen, not to answer. Now, most people don't want you to solve all their problems. They just want you to understand what they're going through and how they feel. They don't need you to be their constant counselor. They don't need your advice every time they bring up something to talk to you about. They just want to know that you care enough to listen because it's important. I love this statement here in, in, in Proverbs 18 13. It, it's great. I want you to say that with me here. Let, let, let's read this together out loud, okay? Answering before listening is both stupid and rude. That's Bible. Answering before listening is both stupid and rude. Now, this, this story reminds me of, 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 a, of a story I read once about the bullfrog. I mean, have, have you, did you know that God created a bullfrog with an extra-large muscle that every time this bullfrog croaks, it's so loud and it's so and it's so it's it's so loud that it sends a vibration to its brain, canceling out the noise. So every time a, a bullfrog croaks, it can't even hear itself. It goes, it croaks, it doesn't hear the noise, croaks, doesn't hear the noise, croaks, doesn't hear the noise. I mean, listen, they cannot hear the obnoxious noise coming out of their mouth. Some of you are the same. <laughs> Just saying. What's the point? The point is it's hard to listen with your mouth open. A lot of times communication is just nothing more than croaking. We don't hear the obnoxious noise coming out of our mouth. Number three, confronting. Everybody likes confrontation, right? You know, it's been said that a, a woman has the last word in every argument. Anything a man says after she is finished is the beginning of another argument. But conflict is, is, is going to be a part of our lives, and we have to learn how to walk, uh, work through the conflict. In order to communicate effectively... We have to be able to receive correction from one another. And listen, church people are the worst people in the world to handle correction appropriately. It's like, you know, it, it, the, what you see going on in our nation, I'm going to say this, what you see going on in the nation is also the same as what's going on in the church. The people in the church have become just as intolerant to somebody else's opinion than it is inside the church. We don't want to hear somebody else. We don't, want to not, we don't even want to consider the fact that we might be wrong about how we handle things. And what you see manifesting in, in our nation is what's manifesting in our church. And the truth is we can't be open-minded enough to listen to one another, and because of that, it creates conflict and offense and bitterness. And you know what? We want to walk out the door, get mad, and say, forget it. Amen? But we have to be able to receive correction from one another. Romans 15, 14 says that we are to admonish one another. What does that mean? It means to counsel, to warn, to instruct. But let me just preface this. Caring for someone always precedes confronting someone. If you're going to have confrontation, always start out on a positive note. Because the truth is, I said this last week, we tend to overthink the negative things in a person's life and then overlook the positive things in a person's life. 
You know, a person can do a lot of things well and do one thing bad, and then we make that the focus of our conversation, that all we do is we talk about what they're not doing, and we ignore what they have been doing. Amen? So we need to be able to, to have this kind of conversation. The Bible says, iron sharpens iron, so another man sharpens another man. And iron cannot, cannot sharpen iron if without sparks flying. There's going to be it so defensive. The reason we get defensive is because we don't feel good about ourselves. We don't even like ourselves. Truth be known, there's part of us that we hate about us that we wish we could change but, couldn't, but, but can't change for some reason. And your attitude towards yourself is often the same attitude that other people have towards you. It's reciprocated. But when you speak the truth in love, it becomes more acceptable and not nearly as threatening. I love this statement. It says, a happy marriage is a union of two good forgivers. Amen. I'm wrapping it up. Why don't you guys go ahead and come to, come to the music. So we're going to have to learn how to care, show genuine care. You're going to communicate that other person needs to know that you have their best interest in mind. And to show that you care, you have to value what the other person thinks and be sensitive to how they feel. Don't make them feel stupid when they're being vulnerable in front of you. That's important. Number two is that you have to learn to listen. Don't be the bullfrog in your relationship. If you've been the bullfrog in your relationship, you should apologize. Amen? Number three, correct. Open up yourself, have a conversation, and say to your husband or your wife, are there things in my life in the way that I relate and communicate to you that are hurtful? I mean, it's impossible for you to be in a relationship and not have said things that have been hurtful to the other person that you say you love. And if you've done those things, if you've said those things, you need to be able to receive that from them and then simply say, I'm sorry. Forgive me. I apologize. Doesn't cost you anything. Doesn't cost you anything but a little bit of humility. But pride keeps people from doing that. Better to lose your pride for the one that you love than to lose the one you love because of your pride. You can win your argument and lose your family at the same time. Which one do you want? If you have to constantly be right about everything, you've got some serious issues in the days ahead. And in the days ahead, you'll find yourself an extremely lonely person because you refuse to change. It's important that we get real, we get honest. Here's this last thing, number four, openness. Simple. James said, confess your faults one to another, pray for one another that you may be healed. Listen, healing can only take place when we're willing to open up our heart and acknowledge that something's wrong. Did you know lying to yourself is still lying? You can go to hell because you lied to yourself just like you can go to hell for lying to somebody else. It made it in the top 10. Lying is a big deal. And lying to yourself is a big deal. <coughs> Transparency <coughs> means taking, talking honestly about yourself and letting others know how you feel on the inside. <coughs> and as you learn to be open and honest before others, they'll either love you for it or pass out in shock. Why? Because you've never done it before. I love this statement. Transparency will help lead you to transformation. When a person reveals a struggle, they're reaching out for help. Deep sharing comes from an earnest desire to change. And if you're not willing to get real, to be open and be transparent, 
then you don't want to change. And I promise you, the other person that you're married to, will, will that will become a source of hurt and pain and bitterness because you've stopped trying. Most marriages begin to decline immediately after the wedding ceremony because they stop working on their relationship. And they just have this false sense of security that, you know what, it's going to be good. But you never talk. You never do any of these things that we've talked about. If you don't, there's going to be some rough days ahead. Go to this last slide. I want you to write these down. It's in your notes, but I want you just to, to write some things down. Here's a good starting point. Number one, clear the air. If there's tension in your relationship, clear the air. Be a big boy. Be a big girl. Acknowledge that something's wrong. And then take ownership for it. Admit there's a problem. Take responsibility for it. Clear the air. That's the beginning point. Don't walk around the house as if nothing's wrong. It only makes it worse. But again, to clear the air, it requires humility and courage. Just because you might be halfway at fault. Number two, share your feelings. Listen, it is amazing to me. I'm a pastor, but a pastor for a while now. It is amazing to me how when you sit down with two people that's supposed to love each other, that they will not allow the other person to open up and share how they really feel about what's going on in their relationship without getting furious. It's like, don't you dare tell me how you feel. They can't help but get defensive. They can't help but to get upset. They can't help but feel threatened. That, that is a big deal. Again, it goes back to understand. You don't have to be right, but you need to be patient enough just to understand and care enough about how the other person feels without going off on them. Immature people won't do that. So clear the air. Share your feelings. Number three, find a starting point. Some people, and the church house is full of people like this. They've argued and argued and argued so long, it's kind of accumulated over the process of time. It's so bad that they can't even have a conversation. They can't even do that first part that I told you about. They can't even clear the air. They, they're terrified to bring up what the issue may be because they've been so heated and at each other's throat for so long. What happens is you just try to block it out and you just disagree about everything. If you disagree about everything, you're never going to make progress. Here's my, here's my advice to you. Find one thing that you can agree on and focus 100% of your effort on that. Surely to goodness, you don't disagree about everything. Find one thing you agree on and focus 100% of your attention on that. Because here's the truth. If you just do one thing better, you've already started the processes of improvement. And that's a good thing. You may not be completely transformed overnight, but you know what? You're making progress. You're moving forward. In most relationships, when they can see the other person making the effort, there's more grace released there. You know, at least they're trying. They've never seen that out of you before. Fourth one is this. Develop a plan. How are we going to continue to move forward? Do we need to get counseling? Do, do, do we need to go talk to somebody? If you just set that up, and if you're here and you have those issues, listen, we're here. That's why we're here. We're here for you. And I care about your family. I care about you. I care about the quality of your life. Only God knows how much I think about you and your children. Only God knows how much you that I spend in prayer for you. Life's tough. And I don't say that in an arrogant way. I'm just saying, when you're a pastor and God's called you to be a pastor, if that's just what's in your heart, it's that. And I've been extremely burdened 
for our families for a while. And I'm afraid that we're just a, we're just in a rut family-wise. And we won't have those communication, those, those, the communication or, or even the talking through of things. And then you just kind of accept this as what's normal for you. Stand with me. Father, today, I ask you, Lord, that you seal the words that have been spoken and that you let it bring forth fruit a hundredfold. And I pray that we would be able to be good communicators to those we love by showing that we genuinely care, by listening to them, by trying to understand how they feel and understand why they feel the way they do. Help us to be able to be loving in our times of confrontation and correction. Help us to be open and transparent that we can communicate from our hearts. Help us to find a starting point. Help us to clear the air, whatever that is, whatever we need. I pray, God, that you just show us, Lord, right now during this time. This is what I want to pray for. A lot of people here are struggling relationally because you have a poor self-image of yourself. I felt like God spoke to me and said, there's people here today that the reason they're in the relationship and the relational struggles they're in is simply because they hate themselves. And when you hate yourself, it makes it nearly impossible for you to be able to receive love from somebody else. Self-hatred produces rejection. And we can't give or receive any love from people because we're always trying to earn it. We're always trying to measure it up. And when we're insecure, we're, we're always trying to get people to prove that they do love us by doing certain things. And when, we don't, when they don't do those things or they don't live up to those expectations, we get disappointed time and time and time again. And ultimately, we get frustrated and we say, you know what, forget it, I'm not trying anymore. Some of you have quit trying on your marriage and on your relationships because you have the problem of insecurity. You got hurt a long time ago. Something happened that you started hating yourself and stopped loving yourself or receiving any love from anybody else. And today, I believe God wants to heal that part of you. But it takes guts. If you're struggling with a poor self-image, I want you just to get out of your seat. I, I know you. Just get out of your seat come up here and stand. I know you're here. And don't, don't worry about it. Listen, if you're worried about what other people think, listen, I promise you, that is the fear that is keeping you in the place that you're in. The Bible says, He that fears has not been made perfect in love. For perfect love casts out fear. Do you need prayer? Are you struggling? Are you frustrated? I'm going to let them sing. God's dealing with you by all means. Get out of your seat. Let's pray.